0: You're listening to a podcast from Washington Post Live, bringing The Post's newsroom to life on stage. Jane Rosenthal, film producer and Tribeca
1: Enterprises CEO, joined The Washington Post to discuss how the coronavirus is
0: affecting the entertainment industry and its path forward. Let's listen. Welcome to Washington Post Live. I'm Bob Costa, a national political reporter at The Post. This morning, we are beginning a new series here at Washington Post Live. It's called The Path Forward. And our guest is Jane Rosenthal. She's the CEO of Tribeca Enterprises and a founder of the Tribeca Film Festival, a veteran film producer for television as well. She has more than 50 credits. She's worked closely with one of my favorite actors, one of the American greats, Robert De Niro, on many of his projects and films over the years. And we're glad to have her here because not only is Jane on the front lines of an industry that's struggling to deal with the fallout of this pandemic. Like me, she loves politics. She loves journalism. She actually even once served as a page in the Rhode Island state legislature. So Jane, thank you for joining me uh, this morning. I appreciate
1: it. Oh, my pleasure. Nice to be here. And um, well, actually, I'm here. I'm home, and you're there. Uh, But uh, it's great to be able to kick off this series with you.
0: And we all are home. Uh, unfortunately. uh, And we're streaming a lot of movies uh, when we have time. And the Tribeca Film Festival, which you co-founded after 9-11 with Mr. De Niro, it's now moved to the virtual realm and it's all online. So are film festivals like Tribeca going to become virtual in the future? Are Are they still going to be something that happens? Of course, are going to be
1: something that happens. Um, the the art of gathering will still exist. It's just going to exist differently uh, in in the future. Uh, look, until we have the the science, the fact, and the information. Um, it's going to be a while before uh, you're going to see huge gatherings, uh, huge gatherings of people. But it's starting slowly with theaters looking to open up and um, new way, new and creative ways that people will end up uh, getting to. And sure. uh, the payment business has always been that emotional salve for uh, for audiences and will continue to be
0: so. You mentioned theaters thinking about opening up, Jane. Behind the scenes, you're an insider. What are those discussions like? What's it going to take to get theaters back?
1: Uh, first it's going to be, uh, first it's going to be sanitation, cleanliness, and then it's going to be, they've got to retrain, they've got to retrain all of their staff, how they're taking tickets, how you're going to eat popcorn. You go, you know, you have to look at every aspect the way you look at every aspect of, uh, you know, what happens, uh, at the New York, New York Post. Uh, so all of our, just all of our daily activities are, um, are called into question and how we do it until we actually can stop the spread of this disease. The, uh, you know, clearly in higher density, uh, populations, it is, uh, proving to be, uh, more difficult.
0: Are you hearing about different ideas? Would people sit five seats away from each other? Is there any kind of brainstorming going on about how it would actually look?
1: Um,
0: every, every,
1: part of the industry has different task force that are going on. So the Directors Guild has task force led by Steven Soderbergh, who did the movie Contagion. And uh, they're looking at uh, different ways. Uh, uh, the movie theaters are looking, the MPAA, and uh, they're looking at uh, different Different ways. You also just architecturally, how people are going to queue up, uh, how they'll take their how they'll take their tickets. Uh, all of that will has to has to change. Obviously, um, each industry is looking at their own, you know, fail safe. Uh, Uh, guidelines Um, clearly we you know as a producer you know you want to get back into production and I think there are some real uh, positive things that will come out of it things that needed to change prior to this uh, just in terms of uh, uh, some additional safety precautions.
0: Jane when you say that you want to get back into production Uh, I'm not familiar with exactly what's happened in terms of production. Has everything shut down because of the pandemic or are some TV shows and films quietly going about their business with, with social distancing? I think there are very
1: few that are still continuing. Um, obviously, you've seen you know the late shows being canceled, and then how Jimmy Fallon gets back to work, and um, you know John Oliver. So it's uh, every show is different, but just look what happens on you know the morning news shows, and everybody is doing those from home. So um, production is going on. It's going on in a new way, just like you and I are. Sitting here having this conversation, um, but uh, you know, the you know Netflix in particular is looking at how they can uh, potentially film shows in Iceland and in South Korea and Japan, and they'll be different. Uh, There'll be different protocols and a whole you know different process for uh, for
0: crews. One of the issues I'm covering as a reporter in Washington is liability and businesses are looking for protection but advocates for workers and unions would like to see the ability to file a lawsuit remain if they feel the conditions are unsafe how does that liability question hover over hollywood it
1: hovers it's you know it's going to be it's going to be an, it's going to be an issue uh uh that's not my field of expertise yeah i'm sure there are a lot of people that uh can give you better answers uh but it definitely it definitely hovers it's going to be it's going to be an issue and look we need we need we need a vaccine we need we need the science uh and uh then the world can uh can start to resume in some form of a a new normal
0: When I think back to Tribeca Film Festival, I always think about 9-11 and how that film festival tried to speak to New York, speak to the country, revitalizing that part of Manhattan. When you look at this pandemic, Jane, do you believe that Hollywood, your industry, is rising to the occasion in the same way it did about two decades ago or not? So rise to the
1: occasion, let's take that out of it because everybody has tried to rise to the occasion. And uh, whether you're in the entertainment business um, or whether you're in the news business, I mean, look at what your team is doing. It's pretty spectacular. Uh, But when you think about 9-11, what was the impetus behind the festival was to gather people, to bring people back downtown. You had an uptown-downtown divide in New York. People were afraid to come to New York. So it was gathering. It was getting 100,000 people to come together and say to the world, we are still here. We're not going anywhere. And we did that through the arts and uh, through music and films and through comedies. Uh, But um, now you can't gather. And that was a... Um, you know, for, for me and Bob and uh, for every other festival in the world, too, it is how, you know, they, the, that you don't have the ability to gather. Um, and that has really stopped us in our tracks for a minute, which is why we pivoted, as did uh, a number of other festivals, uh, to take our festival and support our artists uh,
0: virtually. And tell me about this We Are One uh, festival that you're part of.
1: Um, Well, the idea behind that was um, because you couldn't gather as I was talking about for uh, what we did after 9-11 and 2001. How can you gather, how can you bring film festivals together? How can you bring the best of the content from Cannes and Toronto and Berlin and Venice and and Shanghai? And uh, I had this idea that we could all program you get the best curators in the world and you could have a 10-day virtual festival and uh you could have talks and concerts and uh uh pitched it to netflix and uh the festivals came in i'm very grateful to all of them uh particularly our friends in Cannes and venice and berlin and london Uh, Toronto. Uh, So they'll each program about uh, five to 10 hours, and it will be 100 hours over 10 days um, on YouTube.
0: Jane, you mentioned Iceland and South Korea. As producers look ahead in your industry, could they also look to states that have low rates of infection or a state that's flattened the curve? Could you see those areas emerge as possible production sites? Oh,
1: absolutely. It's just what your protocol is going to be to go into the state, have crew travel between states, what they're going to have to do in terms of quarantining themselves for so many days before they can be on set, temperature checks, you know, all of those, uh, all of those new precautions that we're all going to take to make sure that you're not going to, we're not going to continue to spread this virus.
0: You're in New York. Governor Andrew Cuomo he's out front beating his state during this pandemic. He the, the film industry and the entertainment industry in New York, what do they need now from Governor Cuomo and, and what's his role been in trying to keep this whole industry alive?
1: Uh, I would say what Governor Cuomo it's not it's not just what Governor Cuomo has done for the industry, it is what he has been able to do for the country in, in providing, providing facts when he knows the facts and when he doesn't. And uh, it's um, he, certainly in supporting uh, New York City, one of the densest uh, populations, uh, pop, uh, cities in, in the country, to figure out how we're all going to stay safe and, um, and those who are sick to get well. Um, he's been an he's been an extraordinary leader uh, for all of our industries that keep uh, New York City and New York State moving.
0: And behind the scenes, is he trying to make sure that whenever it's appropriate that the production sites in New York City and New York State are ready to go and we'll have those protocols you've talked about in place?
1: Absolutely. Um, he's working with uh, he's working with the studios. He's working with uh, also uh, sports teams uh, to get us up and running. You know, it's also when you look at movies, uh, you look at the entertainment business, and you look at uh, sports. These are our emotional outlets, and to not have those. Um, you know, I think we're all going we're all going a little bit crazy. So um, he's looking to get all of that up and running as quickly as possible. But first and foremost, uh, we need to make sure everybody be healthy.
0: We got an interesting question, Jane, from one of our readers at The Washington Post, Jason Hightower from New York. He writes a note ahead of this interview, and he said, in addition to safety measures that will need to be in place for on-set work, do you feel that the content on screen could look different, too, in terms of scenes in bars and concerts in in movies portraying 2020, 2021? Those aren't cast or directed or produced in the same way. Well, two
1: different different questions. In terms of what you're going to do, the protocol to... uh, to get to a set yes that's going to be that's going to be different uh just as this is different right here but um as artists as filmmakers as storytellers we're going to use this time to tell these to tell these stories to tell what happened in life in quarantine to tell what uh what it's going to be like those first couple days to go out to go to a restaurant um you talked about going to your coffee shop so you know we're how, how are we all interacting with uh, our new, um, you know, fashionable masks on? Um, but uh, look, it's, uh, we'll, we'll tell the stories of uh, the frontline workers. Uh, there'll be some amazing stories that will come out of this, uh, just as there were extraordinary stories that it came out of uh, 9-11 and quite honestly are still coming out of uh, 9-11.
0: That's right. Before we uh, started this interview, Jane and I were talking about just life when we're all dealing with this pandemic. And, of course, those on the front lines, the nurses and doctors and, and service workers, those are the people who are really struggling. But it's, it's fun to just talk about your, how you try to keep your own routines and your creativity going. Jane, when you think about yourself and, and your colleagues, whether it's uh, Mr. De Niro or others, what have you found about the creative process during the work from home period. What's it like to be a producer or an actor who's trying to still have that spark, even if you can't go out to a set? Well, you certainly,
1: um, when you when you look at the amount of concerts, uh, Global Citizen Festival for the World Health Organization, there's uh, uh, this concert that um, uh, Uh, that Oprah uh, is doing Uh, you look at different ways and different uh, that uh, people are trying to the entertainers are trying to get out there and entertain and also raise money for uh, various uh, charities we're going to face one of the worst humanitarian crises uh, that certainly our generation has ever known Uh, so I think everyone is trying to entertain and Use that to raise money and raise and raise awareness.
0: We have another uh, good question from one of our post readers, Andrea Lee. She's a librarian at the Library of Congress here in Washington. She asks, how is the industry grappling with the future of theatrical distribution in the rise of online streaming platforms? You've discussed Netflix, but is that could that be the the central warehouse for all movies in the future or not?
1: Well, Andrew, that's a really good question, but that question also existed um, before this. Uh, so there were issues uh, with, uh, I, I produced a movie called The Irishman, and we had a lot of people uh, that were part of the uh, academy that didn't think a movie that screened on Netflix, even though it did have theatrical distribution, um, should have been should have qualified as an Academy Award with Martin Scorsese and Robert De Niro and Al Pacino. Um, you know, they weren't um uh, and it also took us 12 years to get that movie made. So the point, the point is, they will coexist. Um, theaters, once they can open, uh, are part of our culture, are part of what we as a society and what the arts need. It's our our theaters to. Uh, be able to laugh together and cry together, and um, you will still have streamers, um, and uh, they'll coexist, and we'll all be
0: entertained. And The Irishman, as I recall, actually did play on Broadway. You put it up on a big screen on Broadway, so at least had some kind of big screen time uh, in in New York with the premiere, as well as being on Netflix. Is, is that maybe something we'll see? Uh, a focused opening on some place like Broadway, but it it will live most of its life as a streaming uh, film.
1: Well, we had uh, had taken over the Belasco Theater. We also opened the New York Film Festival and uh, opened, uh, and we're at the uh, London Film Festival too. Um, But uh, one of the things that's been happening uh, throughout the country is theatres have been shrinking. The size of theatres have been shrinking. That business model has changed. People want wider seats and they want to make sure they can have their drinks and dinner and all that. So we were looking for a large venue. Uh, The Ziegfeld in New York had closed. The Paris in New York had closed. So uh, Netflix went on to uh, rent the Belasco theater for a number of days. They've now taken over the Paris theater. Uh, so you'll be able to have, um, uh, film screenings of more than 250. Uh, um, but yeah, you know, the large, a lot of the large theaters are, are disappearing in this country.
0: I don't mean to joke here cause I think it could be possible. Uh, what about drive-in theaters? Could they actually come back?
1: Oh, funny you should say that. I do think they'll come back. And we are currently talking uh, with uh, IMAX and a uh, number of our sponsors uh, and colleagues uh, about doing a drive-in. Um, we will be releasing more information about that uh hopefully later today, but um, absolutely, I think safe distancing um, and getting in a car and uh, especially you'll be able to have uh, amazing sound that will come through your Bluetooth or another technology. Uh, And I think it will, uh, without question, it will come back. And also you have about 360 uh, local drive-ins uh, throughout the country that are in some of the more rural areas and um, to help them get back on their feet and support uh, support the local drive-ins and local businesses. Uh, it's, uh, you know, a small way to get started, but uh, we need to get started.
0: You brought up the Irishman I really enjoyed that film. A little sidetrack here for a minute. I watched it for a few hours, Jane, had a nice Italian dinner, and then I finished it a few hours later. Is that something you'd advise against? Did I break the rules? Are you a sit down and watch the whole thing type of person?
1: I think it's whichever way you enjoyed it is the best way to watch it. And I think it's a different experience when you break it up and have that lovely Italian meal and a glass of wine, or if you're sitting in a theater, okay? They're not mutually exclusive
0: and you can enjoy them both ways. To get back to this- It's a great good story, right? (laughs) No, it was great. And I mean, of course, De Niro, but I love seeing Joe Pesci act. Uh, and he does it so rarely these days. It's it's amazing to watch. Um, to think about, yes. go back to he is he's terrific. Just to go back to streaming, I, I was looking at some of the movie industry clippings the other day, and I saw this film. I haven't seen it, Trolls World Tour. It's generated a hundred million from premium video on demand, and it's caused a little bit of a controversy, as I'm sure you know, with AMC. The theaters don't love. That it's premium video by NBC Universal. So, what's what's your takeaway from seeing that kind of in just three weeks, a hundred million dollars for a movie on streaming premium video? What does that tell you, and what does AMC's reaction tell you as well?
1: Well, it tells me that in the middle of a pandemic, everyone is looking for something new out there, especially to do with your kids. So uh, that's number one. And bravo for Universal, uh, NBC Universal, for getting out, getting something new out there, whether that's their business model going forward. Talk to Jeff Shell about that. Uh, in terms of AMC's reaction, they need to look at life in a pandemic. They've... Uh, uh, you know they they for the for the Irishmen they didn't want to make a deal with uh, Netflix uh, unless we were going to be in a theater for three months. So the issue about windowing and um, how long a film is going to be in a theater versus on screen is uh, definitely an argument uh, uh, and a debate that we've been having uh, in the industry for a couple of years. Uh, that will that will continue but life in a pandemic where we're all walking around where our daily, daily lives shifted we were talking about morning routines the fact that there was something new that families could enjoy together uh that was that was terrific and uh, i'm proud of my friends at the universal for getting that out there
0: you mentioned a few minutes earlier about the stories that will come out of this. And if you look at your career, you are a storyteller. You're producing movies, but it's not just about a production. You're trying to tell the story over 50 credits. So when you step back and look at this time of a pandemic, what are the stories you want to tell that you will almost feel compelled to tell with your team in the coming year or two, Uh, whether it's pandemic related or not? What's How has this changed you creatively as a storyteller? Well,
1: um, I could give you a serious answer right now, Bob, but I'm not. I'm going to say that, uh, you know, I did the movies uh, Meet the Parents and Meet the Fockers and life with your family and your loved ones. 24-7, I think we're on day 63, 64. Oh, there's so much comedy that's going to come out of this. And I think we all need a good, we all need a good laugh. I mean, it is the crazy things that you're doing. It's also, um, I mean, for me personally, I have um, discovered the Mr. Clean Magic Eraser. I walk around with that in my pocket, any scuff mark. I mean, there's just all kinds of, okay, I've lost it here. uh, But anyway, um, I I think that there's all going to be all kinds of, um, I'd like to see some of the comedy that's coming out. Also, the stories of the frontline workers, uh, the stories of uh, the nurses, the doctors, uh, the uh, delivery workers, the Those stories are going to be uh, extraordinary. And I look forward to seeing more of those stories. You know, 9-11 was the most photographed uh, event uh, in our history. Um, You're not, you're seeing certain pictures out of this. You're not seeing, you're not seeing enough. I think there is a side of this that uh, we don't even comprehend yet. And uh, those stories will, those stories will, Come out and um, obviously need to come out.
0: So I know it's sensitive sometimes what exactly you're working on or people you're close to are working on, but is it fair to say quarantine comedies could be a genre in 2021, 2022? Uh, you know, I think so.
1: I, I, I think so. If I don't. You're, uh, you have a lot of power in
0: the industry, so if you say, I think so, I'll, I'll take it.
1: Uh, well, I don't, I don't know about that, but all I know is that we have to laugh. That laughing is uh, a form of exercising. It uh, releases endorphins, and we have to be able to laugh sometimes. Um, uh, when you think of this, when, when you think of this, uh, it's so overwhelming, and um, you know the alternative is to just. Um, curl up in a little ball and cry and uh, you know I choose to try to go to work and keep my team um, my team working with our Tribeca virtual festival with uh, the work that we're going to do with 22 film festivals globally uh, with the um, global festival and um, to have some laughs as I'm trying, as I ruined more laundry than one could possibly imagine.
0: I mean, that sounds like a great scene. I mean, I have to ask, you've got my mind worrying, Jane. Could we see Ben Stiller and uh, Robert De Niro reprise Meet the Fockers and have a, a quarantine Fockers movie? I, I think, look, I'm not in Hollywood, but I know I would go see that film.
1: I, I, you know, I think you're on to something.
0: I definitely think you're on to something. Well, a yeah, little tease there. We'll take it. Uh, Jane, I hope you stay safe, and uh, I really appreciate you taking some time today uh, as you work on all your, your home projects and your films. We really appreciate it as uh, we start this series. Thank you very much.
1: Thank you very much. Be safe.
0: You too. Stay Bye. safe. Be well. Bye. And, and thank you all, if you're watching, for joining us. Uh, I hope you enjoy these live conversations, and I encourage you to tune in tomorrow, Wednesday, May 6th, when my colleague Frances Stead Sellers, she'll host a leadership during crisis discussion. Dr. Scott Gottlieb, the former FDA commissioner and White House task force advisor, he'll be there with her, along with Dr. Zika Emanuel, who's working with the Biden campaign, a uh, respected doctor. They'll talk about vaccines, testing, treatment, the debate over reopening the, uh, the economy, all of that. And on Thursday, this series, The Path Forward, will continue with Adina Friedman, president and CEO of NASDAQ, She'll talk with Jonathan Capehart, one of our editorial writers, the Cape Up podcast. You know him well. Just go to WashingtonPostLive.com for a reminder. Uh, But for now, as Jane said, I hope everyone stays safe and stays well. Thank you. Thanks for listening. To hear more interviews from this series and other Washington Post Live programs, visit us at WashingtonPostLive.com.